so at the time it was definitely getting worse. So, and then there would be, since, since no one was really doing anything to help me other at the time, then maybe they were giving me a few pills to help with something. It was just trying to cover up the symptoms. So while I was taking those pills to try to, you know, function throughout the day, it was covering up what was going on inside. And so inside my body was still brewing all of this danger. And so it was just causing more and more damage. My kidney ended up failing. I um, ended up getting these episodes where my doctors called it POTS, basically a pot syndrome where you get really dizzy. But I had these episodes multiple times where I was driving and I had to pull over the road because I felt like I was going to black out. I mean, just the symptoms did keep getting worse and worse because we weren't solving anything. It was still going on inside. We didn't know why this was happening. They were just giving a pill for all of the symptoms that were occurring. So even though now I truly believe in, I, I believe in science, right? I still am a very sciencey person. At the end of the day, everybody is so unique and different. And usually the person knows. Usually if you listen to yourself, you know, you know what you, what you need to do. You know when you feel best and when you don't feel so great. That's Maggie Berghoff and I'm Brian Felchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Do A Day podcast, where I bring some pretty awesome people to you to help bring some inspiration into your life. Today's guest, no different. This is Maggie Berghoff. Maggie is a functional medicine health coach. She's also a certified nurse practitioner. And uh, she has this thriving business helping people with their wellness journeys. And like every guest I have, it doesn't just come from her studying or having an idea. It comes from her living through something seriously profound, her own health scare. Maggie was an athlete all of her childhood, into college, um, really athletic, really fit, and suddenly things started to fall apart. She started to put on weight pretty dramatically. Like She talks about gaining 12 pounds in one day, um, but because she was so teeny before, people are just like, oh, you know, now you're just normal. Um, she put on 50 pounds over the course of just a few short months. And again, it was always like, oh, you know, whatever blow off that the doctor she was seeing would offer her. So it really wasn't anyone trying to help. It was just sort of explaining it away and telling her to stop worrying about it. And it got to a point where she actually had a mini stroke in her early 20s. That's not normal. That's not something you just blow off. And yet, that's exactly what happened. So... Maggie went through this journey. It carried on for years. She struggled to get help. And through that process and trying to help herself, she started to learn more about functional medicine and the way that each of the pieces of your health puzzle get put together. And she took matters into her own hand and trusted herself enough to help herself. And Maggie saved her own life. You know, it echoes the episode uh, number 75 with Michelle Bronson, with her journey and her weight gain and not being able to figure things out and that self-trust and the moment that self-trust came back in, things changed. Maggie's got an awesome story, incredible, inspirational, all that kind of stuff and really difficult. And she has fully owned her wellness. She's on the other side of all this and really thriving. She had a happy family of four, two kids, despite being told she could never have children. Um, and she's just a great, inspiring person. I'm very excited to jump into this episode and share Maggie Berghoff with all of you. So let's have a listen. Maggie Berghoff, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, this one, uh, I was telling you before, like this hits really close to home for me. Um, you know, I, I know a teeny bit of your story. I'm excited to hear more, but there's such an overlap with what my family's experienced. So I'm like, I'm on the edge of my seat to hear this one too. So I, I know the listeners will be as well, but like personally, 
I'm into this one full on. So I'm very excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited to share that story. I know you're not alone in that. Yeah. Um, so I do want to just briefly get your take on your today and then we'll build back from what got you there. But what what are you working on these days? What what do you do right now? Yeah, so I kind of do, well, a lot of things, but I have two main legs of my business. So I'm a health consultant. I see anywhere from stay-at-home moms to top athletes in the world and celebrities and influencers. So we have a wide range of people that we help to rebalance their body using what's called functional medicine, which is really addressing the root cause of what's going on in their body so they can feel better, look better, perform better, whatever it is that their goals are. So um, most of these people have been through a traditional medical system where you go to your doctor, you tell them the symptoms that you have, and then they give you some pills to cover it up. Or they tell you everything looks normal because on their lab data, it does look normal. There's no flags. So they assume, okay, hey, you're normal. No worries. And then the person is less like, uh, no, I'm not normal. This is not how I'm supposed to feel. I feel horrible. You know, all of the kind of things. So they usually have had experience with that kind of model. And then we come in and really find out what's going on on a deeper level, like nutrient levels, parasites, heavy metals, neurotransmitters, mitochondrial health, what's going on inside the body that we can work on to reverse to make it function more fully. Yeah. And it's a, um, it's a holistic view. So it's not like traditional medicine is great, but it's very like, oh, your foot hurts. So we're going to send you to a podiatrist, for example, and they're going to treat your foot. It's like, well, maybe your foot hurts because your hip has something going on. And maybe your hip has something going on because your gut's off. And like, it's the whole picture. Yeah. We look at the entire body at once instead of going to, you know, a doctor for your man parts and a doctor for your thyroid and a doctor for your hormones or for your eyes or for whatever it is. Instead of going to all these different specialists, we look at the whole body at once because we know that the body is in unison with each other. So all of the systems work in unison. And so we need to address it as so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I'm so like, I've seen the difference. Um, and I grew up a kid of a doctor. So like very much Western medicine kind of mentality. Um, but I always found myself like I've, I've had 14 surgeries and a lot of them have been very like compartmentalized and it's like no the reason why you keep tearing your meniscus in both your knees is because this other thing's going on and like it's all it's all intertwined um anyway it's not about me let's go back (laughs) a lot of your listeners probably have struggled with that same thing i mean i what that's just what the go-to is if something hurts take it out or do surgery or manipulate it or give it a pill to cover it up yeah and actually, the body is really amazing at healing. Mm-hmm. You just have to support it and let it and maybe have a bit of patience, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm exercising all that right now. I've got my fourth meniscal tail, tear. I always have trouble saying that, meniscal tear. <laughs> um, and I'm not having surgery for this one, like adamantly. And I will be okay. I'm like six weeks in, and it's definitely getting better. I just uh-huh. have to care for it. Exactly. I would say, you know, all the body needs is a little helping hand in the right direction and it's got you covered. Like it wants to get better. Yeah. We just have to give it that helping hand. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so how did you arrive at all this? Where did this come from? Like, this is not what you were born doing. So what's the, the story that led you down this path? So, you know, I actually was always interested in health and wellness, but it was more, you know, it wasn't even very Western medicine. It was a combo from the get go. So when my, my mom is a pharmacist, okay, so very traditional Western type of medicine that I grew up with. However, she had cancer when I was in about second grade, uh, colon cancer. So very severe doctors told her there wasn't anything we can do for her actually kind of kicked her out of, you know, care because there was nothing left that they could do. So she ended up finding a really holistic alternative type of cancer center and she went away. We stayed with my grandparents while she was gone. She got better. She's still with us today, fully, fully better. Okay. So when she came home from that institution, I will never forget. She brought this like huge book home and in the book was every kind of food or an herb possible and what the properties are, why you would want to eat this for XYZ conditions or for these properties of prevention. And, and so I was really interested in, and food for the body. 
And my mom also was really into organic food. We didn't really have junk food in the house. We ate all of our meals outside on our patio in the country. So I actually grew up quite different than the standard American in that sense. But what happened is I became pretty obsessed with diet then. So I was all about food and I was athletic through high school and competitive nature And then in college, I was this go-getter, waking up every morning to get to the gym at 5 a.m. Then I would go to, you know, my classes, which I was taking an insane, like, 22 credit hours and an internship, and then going to yoga at night. So I was burning my body to the end and not nourishing fully. I thought I was, but my idea of nourishment at that time was based on popular blogs or fitness programs that I had seen. So it was a lot of low fat, low carb, just eat as much chicken breast as possible, basically, right? And like the protein shakes, that's what I was doing. And eventually, I started knowing, noticing these little symptoms come up, ignored them, thought, you know, like, whatever, I'm a a go getter, I can get through this, no big deal, push through. And then one day, my body just said, okay, enough is enough. And it stopped compensating. So up until that point, my body was still doing okay. Like I looked the part of healthy, I felt pretty great. But all of a sudden, one day that ended and my entire body just literally blew up. It was it was really quite interesting. So when was all this going on for you? So it was my senior year of college. I think I was about age 22. And I was down at Vanderbilt University, Nashville, Tennessee is where I went. And I was in the midst of a move. So I was out of my norm, definitely pushing my body to the extreme, taking those 22 credit hours, doing an internship, about to graduate, having to make a decision, do I want to move home or do I want to stay in Nashville, Tennessee? So I had like all of this stuff going on and my lease for the house I was living in was up. So I was actually living on a friend's couch for the three weeks during finals because I didn't have anywhere to go in between. So my body was just, you know, in chaos and it just said enough, enough, I is enough. I was sitting in class one day after hours long, it was an hour long lecture. And I stood up and started walking away. And all of a sudden I noticed my leg hurt really bad, my right leg. And I looked down and I pulled up my pant. I was wearing pants. I pulled up my pant leg and my leg looked like an elephant leg. It was so swollen, like the same size from my thigh all the way down. And I thought I was having a DVT because at the time I was also on birth control. Okay. So I went to the uh, clinic. They scanned me. They said, no DVT here, take this ibuprofen. In about a couple of days, it did go away. That was the first time of a very long, frustrating road to figuring out what was going on inside of my body. So DVT, for those who don't know, is? Yeah. It's a deep vein thrombosis. So it's when you have a clot in yeah. your legs and that clot can dislodge and it can cause a lot of damage. It can actually kill you if it especially gets into your lung. Um, but it's really dangerous and it can be a side effect of birth control pills. Right. 
and I was on birth control pills at the time. So that's what my first instinct was when my leg was swelling, that I had a clot going on. So you've got four years of going way too hard. And then this period where it's like, okay, double that. But I'm sure going through your mind is this like, I just have to get through this. I'm strong. I get like, whatever, it's going to suck for three weeks, but I can do it. And I feel like that's the way so many of us are. It's like, you just get to power through it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you don't, yeah, of course you don't feel well. You're doing too much. Just get through it and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that kind of where your mind was at? Is I just have to keep pushing? I mean, up until yeah. obviously you saw your leg. And is... you know, that's my, by nature, my personality. So I, I kind of thrive and I take pride in doing it all. Yeah. I do. And so now I know how to balance that out to where I can feel as if I'm doing it all and, you know, kicking butt in all the areas, but also taking care of my health. But at the time I wasn't, and I was thinking, you know, I was so stressed. I was just at the end of my schooling. I didn't know what to do. Um, I didn't know if I should stay there or if I should go. And, you know, it was just a lot of stress, a lot at one time. And I just kept thinking, yeah, push through. You just got to get through these finals. Like you can't quit now. You legitimately cannot quit now. You have to take these final exams. You have to get through. And then this hits. So this Mm -hmm. is before the exam started? Because you said you were in a lecture, during. so okay, so, so it's, it's like right it's in the It's all midst. during. I remember some of my last, um, my last times in class. I was just so swollen, and we were having celebration dinners, and you know, going out to eat with all of the yeah. family members for graduation. And I remember my face was so swollen; it actually hurt. I mean, um, swelling was my first big symptom of wow. what was going on. So, but you kept going after school, like mm-hmm. you. So, all right, so you get through this. The swelling in your leg calms down, but you've still kind of got this systemic stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Where do we go from here? So this is, and this is pre, pre, uh, pre-stroke. Yeah, pre-stroke and pre-graduate school. So I uh, graduated early, actually. So it was in December, and then I went to my doctor back at home. So I moved back home. I went to my traditional doctor. They drew a bunch of labs and of course said everything looks normal. So they sent me home. And about a few months later, I was still, it was just getting worse. So I went to the doctor again and I was like, listen, listen, lady, like something is not right. This is not normal. I, then I had gained like, um, 50 pounds within the matter of a few months. I was feeling horrible, waking up so tired, dragging through the day, even though at night I was sleeping eight plus, you know, usually 10 hours a night, still feeling super tired through the day. So finally, a few months later, after the first round of labs, she draws labs again. And then she says, oh yeah, you know, I see your thyroid's a little off. Like this could be something. So now we're getting somewhere. Okay. So now my body's bad enough that a traditional doctor in Western medicine will be like, oh yeah, hey, look, something's going on just because by paper yeah. it shows little abnormals now. Yeah. Even though and- the person presenting in front of them clearly is not the way they're supposed to be. Exactly. And I was screaming for help. But because the labs didn't show what she wanted to see, I was normal. And so that led me down the rabbit hole of them popping me to specialist after specialist after specialist, still trying to figure this out in the Western medical model. Wasn't she worried about the fact, I I don't know how tall you are, but when you said 50 pounds, you don't Hmm. look big to me where 50 pounds wouldn't really show up or I'm 5'3". And and I was very... I was very thin, probably too thin, right? I was working out a lot. I yeah. was very fit. But um, to an outsider, being large is, quote, normal yeah. for the standard I would say we're just American. like American. It's just American. Right? Yeah. So I looked, I me complaining about my weight to her kind of was her brushing it off because she didn't think I looked obese by any means, right? I wasn't, you know, 300 plus pounds where she would say, oh yeah, you know, like this is kind of something that we need to focus on. And so she just brushed that off, even though she, she knew that it was definitely an abnormal for me. 50 pounds in a few months should stand out to any, like that's a standard questionnaire in your physical is like, Mm -hmm. have you gained or lost weight? Like in a short amount of time? Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So First, uh, first major time where like you have a pretty clear outward sign aside from your exhaustion and it's like, well, the numbers look fine. So even though clearly you're not, you are. Yeah. I even had one doctor tell me that this happens to, cause it would swell up and then it would go down a little bit. Mm. Um, and I was telling him about that, how some days I will wake up 12 pounds heavier than I was the night before. Wow. And he, and this is true. Like 
the scale would literally say that. And he would, I'll never forget this either. He told me that that happens to his wife sometimes too, when she goes out to eat and eats too much salt. So just make sure I don't eat salt. That's what he said. And so they just, they, they just did not pounds. Mm -hmm. No overnight. Yeah. No. And remember I'm a healthy eater. Yeah. So this was, this was swelling from quote healthy foods that you would think would be okay for the body. Yeah. 12 pounds, like, I don't know what you weighed at the time, but we're talking like 10% plus weight mm-hmm. swings overnight. That's not normal. Mm-mm. Like that. Okay. I'm sure it was, like, you, you knew all this at the time, but no one was listened to you. Yeah, yeah. No, and so you know a little bit about medicine. And so for the viewers, it was so much so that I had what's called pitting edema. So if you were to put a thumb, for example, and push down in my leg or even my arm, it was so swollen, even in my arm. Then if you would let go of that thumb, there would still be an indent there. And so my first experience there was I was driving home from Nashville because, you know, making the drive home back to Indiana where I live. And I had my leg up on my seat and like resting on the dash, right? Or like the side thing. I'm sure a lot of you do that. Probably not the safest thing in the world, but I do it. Okay. So my foot was up and I was just driving home, relaxing. And then I got, I stopped to get some gas and I got out of the car and on my thigh, it was inches indented for the rest of the trip home and, and for hours the whole night long, it was inches of just this big, basically hole yeah. in my thigh from all of the swelling and the tissues going around it. There were two guys at the gas station yesterday, smoking, obese, talking about that. Exactly. But like, probably like, Oh, you get that too. Oh yeah. 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 It's kind of funny. And they like went and put, I'm like, guys, like, it's not normal. You get a change. Yeah. I didn't say anything, but yeah, they were like almost proud and, and amused by it. It's like, this is not, not supposed to be happening no and it's very hard also on your kidneys yeah so my kidneys actually process yeah exactly yep and you're 23 at Mm -hmm. the time like yeah this was age 22 to 24 is when all of this was really going on and would you say it's it's getting worse like is it building or it's just kind of steady state not okay but you're not necessarily like, it sounds like it's getting worse to me, but yeah. So at the time it was definitely getting worse. So, and then there would be since, since no one was really doing anything to help me other at the time, then maybe they were giving me a few pills to help with something, um, like pharmaceuticals. Yeah. And it was just trying to cover up the symptoms. Yeah. So while I was taking those pills to try to, you know, function throughout the day, it was covering up what was going on inside. And so inside my body was still brewing all of this danger. And so it was just causing more and more damage. My kidney ended up failing. I, um, ended up getting these episodes where my doctors called it POTS, basically a pot syndrome where you get really dizzy. But I had these episodes multiple times where I was driving and I had to pull over the road because I felt like I was going to black out basically. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, just the symptoms did keep getting worse and worse because we weren't solving anything. It was still going on inside. We didn't know why this was happening. Yeah. They were just giving a pill for all of the symptoms that were occurring. What, so there's two things that I'm wondering about. One is, and they're not related directly, so I'll mm-hmm. throw them out and answer them whichever order you want. But one is, I'm so curious about your mom's take and all this given her, and I don't know how old you were when she had her cancer battle. Mm-hmm. Um but where is she in this? And the, the other is just like, where's your sense of fear and being alone and not being heard? And because that that seems to be such a common mm-hmm. issue when people are in the throes of chronic illness and not getting help is like, no one's hearing me. They're sort of putting it back on me or not really mm-hmm. seeing me as as a complete person who needs help. Yeah. So I was about seven when my mom had cancer and uh, so second grade. And so since she healed her body with more natural stuff and is fearful, right? She had cancer. It happened. Yeah. She, she had cancer when she was only, I believe she was 35 when she had wow. her colon cancer, which is really early for Really young that. for colon cancer. Yeah. 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 So, um, of course, that's, you know, one of her concerns is what's going on with my daughter. So yeah. she was very involved in trying to get me help. She took me to, all, you know, different doctors, helped me find what's called Cleveland Clinic, where you go and there's more specialists there, which didn't do a thing. But ultimately, even then finding functional medicine was the help of my mom and my aunt. So she was really involved with it. 
Um, as far as not being heard, I'm a very optimistic person. So I'm honestly probably an overly annoyingly optimistic, right? So I, every time I had a new doctor, because they were bouncing me around, one doctor, they, they would be like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Go see this specialist. And then that person would be like, oh, no, this isn't my area. Go see this specialist. So every time that they would refer me to somebody new, I was like all hopeful and excited again. And I was like, yes, this is the doctor who's going to figure me out. This is I got this. We got this. We're going to figure this out. And then every time I would leave so frustrated. So I think that was the biggest emotional um, hardship for me is getting so hopeful and then just being crashed once again. Mm-hmm. And the biggest hardship was when, and this is when like the, the, this was the last straw is I was at the, one of the quote, most famous best specialists, um, with immunology. And I go in and he tells me the news that I have a rare kidney disease he has determined. So he, right. All these doctors are trying to diagnose me with something. So yeah. He decides you have a rare kidney disease and also you have no immune system. Your immunoglobulins are non-existent. They even gave me like a trial where they saw if I would make antibodies to like a pneumonia shot or whatever. They did some kind of trial and I made zero. So I have zero antibodies, zero immune system. And he said, you know, you're going to have to do IV immunotherapy for the rest of your life. And also you have this kidney disease. And I'm like, okay. Wow. Okay. But at least, you know, I'm kind of actually happy because I think, okay, this is the answer. This is what's going on. Like, let's, let's, now we have the answer. Let's do this. And his nurse can't comes in to give me the discharge papers and he he tells her, okay, great. Go ahead and schedule Maggie for six months. Um, or we'll see her back in six months. And I was just like, what? You just told me I have a rare kidney disease. I'm basically dying. I'm going to be relying on IV therapy every week for the rest of my life. See me back in six months. Like you're not going to do anything about this. And so I was just, that was the last straw I was done. And, um, I called my mom and I was just crying at that point. Enough was enough. The optimism was, you know, it was, it was real low. There was no, there was no treatment over the six months. It was like (sighs) nothing. It was just, we'll see you in six months to see how things go. So they kept on just extending this, waiting for it basically waiting for it to get bad enough to where they can say like, oh, yep, it's cancer or yep, we should do surgery or, you know, yep, we need a different organ. They were just waiting it for it to get worse and worse and worse and not doing anything to actually resolve the things that were happening right now. Mm. God. So you call your mom right after that appointment? Yeah, in yeah. the car, in the parking lot. Yeah. I like, I tried not to cry in the office because I'm not a big crier, right? And so I'm like holding it back. I, I get my discharge papers. I tell her I'll schedule my appointment later and I'm walking out and then I get into the car and it just all flows out. And I call yeah. my mom and I'm like, mom, I don't know what to do. No one can help me. You know, I don't, I, there's no answers. I'm trying my best. I'm doing everything they tell me to do and it's not getting better. And she tells me, Maggie, no one cares. No one cares enough about you than you to figure this out. And I, it was, she's right. No one does care enough about me yeah. than me. These doctors see, you know, sometimes 40 people a day in and out of the office. They're not going home thinking about me, researching about me, spending hours with me, letting me text them or email them my questions in between that six-month period. And that was the first point where I decided, okay, yeah, I'm going to figure this out. And that's when I actually enrolled into the Institute for Functional Medicine Selfishly, I went just to figure my own body out and I went through their entire certification program. So it took a couple of years, figured my own body out. I'm absolutely back to normal now. My lab values are pristine even through two pregnancies, which by the way, my doctors told me I was infertile. I had two beautiful pregnancies naturally, never had to do any injections or anything um, for that. And yeah, everything's totally normal as if it never happened, as if it was some kind of dream that, you know... I dreamt up one day. It's just gone. It's back to normal. Okay. Um, what were you What were you doing through this whole process? You said you're in grad school. Yeah. So I was in grad school and working as a nurse practitioner at towards the end. So wow. I was working at for the hospital as a nurse practitioner in my last leg of the Institute for Functional Medicine training. So when I was working for the hospital, I already knew I'm doing this functional medicine yeah. thing. And so um, it was I already knew that that's very much where I was aligned with at that time. 
Where does the stroke fall in this whole process? It was right before, it was in between the early graduate or early graduation from grad. I'm sorry. It was right between the early graduation from undergrad and my first year of grad school. So it was around the summertime and I was at, I was living with a friend at the time back in my hometown of Indiana and I was packing because we were headed up to the lake the next day. We, we do lakes on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So we were, I was packing up and I went to go like grab something to put into my bag. And all of a sudden I got so dizzy, like an instantaneous rush of dizziness. And then I couldn't see. And the room was, you know, blurred and spinning and I was scared. So I hurry up and call my mom and man, I call my mom a lot, huh? (laughs) I hurry up and call my mom and I'm trying to tell her what's going on and I can't talk. Like I literally, I'm trying to talk and explain this, but I cannot form the thoughts and it's just a bunch of slurring. And I mean, it was just your typical stroke symptoms. Yeah. And so, uh, my roommate came home, came and got me, took me to the hospital. They did a bunch of scans and everything. And they told me that this is, looks like it was a mini stroke, which is, um, pretty scary at the age of young 22 ish, 23 ish. Um, yeah. And then do you know what happened? Nothing. Yeah. I'm waiting for them to be like, but you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. Nothing. They sent me home the next day. They kept me overnight, told me I had a mini stroke. Send me home. It's mind boggling. Um, well, it isn't because I've seen it myself, but that's like, there's so many blatant things. That's just like, why doesn't, why isn't that sparking anyone to be like, something's not right. We got to figure this out. And I think, you know, to their credit, they were, some of them were trying to figure it out, but that all they knew was traditional medical yeah. models. So yeah. all they knew was the normal testing that they do. They are, they're not educated. We're not educated in the medical system to look into things like nutrient deficiencies or heavy metals or copper toxicity or parasites. You know, we're, we're not trained to look at that yeah. and we aren't given the adequate time to even care. I remember when I worked for the hospital, we would get in trouble if we spent too much time with a client or with a patient. Yeah. We would get in trouble if we weren't diagnosing a certain amount of pills per month. Like we had to track that stuff for insurance companies. We had to chart it all. We had to be in and out of the room. Clock, Like our clock in time had to, uh, they tracked our clock in and our clock out time to be sure we weren't spending too much time with people. So like we weren't in the traditional medical model. They're not given the opportunity to figure me out. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily their fault, but I think it's definitely the fault of the system that we are trained in. And it's the fault that we don't recognize when somebody needs to be referred out to a functional medicine practitioner. So they do have somebody on their team looking deeper and investigating further. I think that that definitely needs to happen. A collaboration between traditional and functional practitioners way more than it does. Yeah. Did you ever get to a root cause? So the thing about root cause, of course, that's, if you know, functional medicine thing, always yeah. say, yeah, as functional medicine, people always say like, oh, it's getting the root cause. You know, there's never really one root cause. When yeah. the body is in a big chaotic crash like this, it's a full system. It's a full system thing. Just like how when you heal the body, it needs to be a full system thing. So there were a lot of things that were wrong with me. I found out more on a traditional level. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, these are my symptoms too, what could it be? So in a traditional level, they did diagnose me with Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease of the thyroid. And so I had low thyroid levels. Um, They also diagnosed me with PCOS, which, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is, you know, it has to do with your insulin and your sugar levels and also your ovaries and your hormones. Um, so that's something else. Of course, the kidney disease, the immunodeficiency, the POTS, those were kinds of things that they diagnosed me with because they didn't really know what was going on though. Mm. So I wouldn't say that I really like have those things. I do think the Hashimoto's was one of the main contributors yeah. for sure. That was the, the main thing, I believe. And then on a functional medicine standpoint, I found out that I had severe adrenal fatigue. So my adrenal glands weren't working properly. I had a parasite and H. pylori and pseudomonas, like very high levels 
looked at actually like with my levels of pseudomonas, for example, they say that it can cause seizures. Mm -hmm. Like people have had seizures and then they find out that the seizures are because of that bacteria. And I I did not have a seizure, but I had that bacteria really high. And so that definitely could be contributing to some of my stuff. And then I found out that I had also two other big things were really elevated copper. So Mm -hmm. high, high copper toxicity and very minimal nutrients. So even though I was eating very healthy and I was, you know, nourishing my body with all this organic food and smoothies and salads and soups and all that kind of stuff, my body wasn't able to absorb the nutrients from those foods because my gut wasn't acting properly. So even though- Because of the bacteria probably, right? Exactly. Yep. So even though I was giving my body what it should have needed, my body wasn't able to use it. So my nutrient levels were just in the tank, which really governs all all of the cells functions in the body. And obviously it's going to fuel more adrenal fatigue because Mm -hmm. your body's running on empty and being Mm -hmm. pushed. And so it's this vicious cycle where you need more nutrients that you can't get, which makes you more exhausted, which means you need more nutrients that you like. Yeah, exactly. And do you know what needs to happen when you're on that vicious cycle? A hard stop. Yeah. So I remember vividly there was one time where I was I was in that cycle. I just kept getting worse. I was taking pills. At the end, I started to take like functional medicine pills, so supplements. And I was on like all these supplements and mm. all this stuff. And like I had this big notebook of exactly my game plan of my diet I was following and all the stuff like anti-candida and the FODMAP and the paleo. And like I combined all of the diet plans into one big master plan. So I was doing all this stuff, but it was still chaos for my body. My body didn't even have the energy to break down a supplement. You know, Mm. if it can't have the energy to break down a smoothie, how is it supposed to break down this supplement with super high doses of whatever it is? Yeah. So I had a hard stop. I actually was super dramatic and like took my arm across my whole supplement counter and threw them all in the trash can. I threw away all the plans that I had been following, the restricting diet type of plans. And I just started from scratch. I cleared that whiteboard and just started day one to nourish my body just to focus on simply like giving my body nourishment so that it can start to heal itself mm. and then proceed from there. Um, that takes a lot of courage. And especially if you're in, you know, maybe your attitude was a piece of that. But when you're in the throes of it and people are telling you, you have to do this and you have to do that, it becomes really scary to say, well, I'm just going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, you know, start from scratch or like Mm-hmm. How do you think that, where did you find the courage to do that? Maybe it's just in your wiring, but that's something I see like people who are told, oh, you can't eat this because it'll make you sick. Whether that's true or not, then they're like super scared of that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, you you can't. So I had um, Michelle Bronson on the show who has Hashimoto's and, you know, the doctor's like, you can't work out. You have to like keep everything just quiet rest, you know, nothing. You have to really cut back in your life. And she gained 70 pounds. And then it was like, finally got to a point where she's like, this is, first of all, I'm not getting any better. And this isn't working for me and my body's not happy. So I'm going to start to exercise again. And that was this huge, and and things have progressed and she's okay now. Um, But it was this huge moment of courage and strength that I think is probably one of the hardest things for a lot of people to get to. Maybe the stop was a piece of it, but I'm just curious, like reflecting on that moment, what do you think gave you that clarity to do that? You know, I think we all know inside really what we need to do. And I think it's just a matter of trusting your gut instincts. And I I, I knew that first of all, restricting diets, I knew that I wasn't in line with that. I knew I've been on restricting diets, like, you know, for a really long time, because when I was working out in college and stuff, that's you know, kind of what you did, you follow the diet guideline of whatever program you're doing. And I really did think that that contributed part to my crash. My body was under fueled. Mm -hmm. And so I just didn't feel good about it. Every time I would take a supplement, it made me so stressed out and like sad that, I mean, I say a supplement, what I mean is a handful of supplements. Yeah. I mean, I was downing like, you know, 12 pills at one time. And so multiple times throughout the day, and it just psychologically was stressing me out more than just to just live my life again. And, and knowing that I wasn't sick, there's no, I wasn't diseased. There's nothing wrong with me. Like I can figure this out. And that is internal confidence, right? To know, like, listen, 
to have so much hope that you can figure this out, that you will prevail from this. You will come out stronger, bigger, better than yeah. you were before. Um, of course, I don't recommend to everybody to throw out all their medicine and supplements, but I do think that there's something to say about listening to what you truly feel that you need and just having that intuition and the confidence to know that you're going to make it no matter what. You're going to yeah. make it out of this and, um, and that you can do it. Yeah. It's so hard. You know, you talk about all these doctor's visits where, especially in, in our society today, it's like you go to the specialist or the doctor, they tell you what to do and that's the answer. And so like, you know, when you describe you went to the new one, it's like, this is going to be the one and it isn't. You keep looking for someone else to give you the answers for yourself. And then you come to this moment where it's like, I know. Mm -hmm. And, and finding that connection with yourself, that trust to be able to answer your own question instead of seeking it from someone else. Yeah. I think that even applies to me still. I, and I think a lot of you still in other areas of your life even. So it takes a lot to trust yourself, even in business. So mm-hmm. now I have this large health consulting and business consulting business, right? And even when I'm making a business decision, I look for outside almost like approval. Like I know what I think I should do, yeah. but I want somebody to like approve it or give me permission for it or tell me that, yeah, that's the right way. Yeah. And you know, it's just that outside verification. But I realized in regards to my health, that outside verification I was seeking was a bunch of baloney. Yeah. Those people, they didn't know what was going on. They were giving me answers just so they can fill out their chart at the end of the day and fill out whatever code they want to diagnose me with. And so it was just, yeah, it's the internal confidence to just say, I know, I know with every cell in me, this is what I need to do. And to go that route, just like who you said, decided, listen, I need to work out again. Clearly her body wasn't reacting well to not doing that. And working out is more than just staying fit. Maybe for her, it was also like a mental thing. That was her therapy. I know for me, working out is kind of like my therapy. Like it fuels me up so much that if you were to take it all away, it would be negative to me, even though it does take energy. I know what her doctor's saying because it takes a lot of energy to work out. And if you have Hashimoto's or any kind of autoimmune disease, you don't have energy to spare. Yeah. But at also, if it's causing you mental distress, like taking all those supplements was to me, you know, what, what's, what's worse? Yeah. We all have energy taking and energy giving things throughout our day. And it's not, you can't look at the math that one-sided. Like, yes, it takes calories to move on the treadmill or elliptical or Stairmaster or whatever it is. But it also takes calories to live without doing those things. And maybe that burn rate is higher because you're in a state of stress and depression and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever else. So bringing that balance actually like, yeah, I'm going to spend an extra 200 here, but I'm going to save an extra 800 on this side or, you know, whatever the math works out to be. But only your right. body knows that. Exactly. Only your body knows. And every single body is so different. Yeah. So even though now I truly believe in, I, I believe in science, right? I still am a very sciencey person and we get lab data on our, on our clients and we look at the numbers, but at the end of the day, everybody is so unique and different. And usually the person knows, usually if you listen to your client or patient or yourself, mm. you know, you know what you, what you need to do, you yeah. know, when you feel best and when you don't feel so great. I'm I'm so glad you made that connection with business as well, that in in all the stories of people that come on the show, there's always like some space that the story exists in, you know, that tap dancer who lost his leg to cancer or the military veteran who went through, you know, like a suicide attempt or whatever it might be. But the reality is the lessons, the experiences, it is pervasive. Like this, this trust point, like you see it yourself in your own business I see it in business that like, this is not a, a personal medical journey discussion, actually. It's about your sense of self, your connection with yourself, your trust in yourself, and the strength you can bring to be your own guide, whatever the context may be. And that like, I just like, I think it's worth pointing out is it's not, yeah, this is a medical conversation about your medical story, but it's not like this mm-hmm. is. And that's kind of the functional medicine point. Like it's about your entire life. You can't really cordon off like, oh yeah, you're stressed out over there, but that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. your person and your life is intertwined. It can't not have anything to do with it. Yeah, it's all involved, everything. And and that same thing goes to like a health thing. If you think, oh, well, I'm going to get rid of my Hashimoto's because I'm taking this supplement, you are 
joking yourself. It's a combination of your personal life, your business life, your sleep habits, the air you breathe, the water you drink, how you breathe that air. Like there, it is a combination of everything that helps you to feel your best. And I think that also though, it's, it's important to note that although there are a lot of combinations of, of things that you can be doing to keep it simple, yeah. because I think that the, even sometimes when people come into my door as a health client, the more complex the case, the more simple I address it, really. Mm. Because I think that the body and the mind really thrives on simple structure that is sustainable. And whenever we do something that is, you know, pushing our limits too much and we do that for too long, or we do something that is very restrictive and we, you know, think we're a go-getter for doing it for some time, you will crash at some time. The business is going to crash. You're going to crash. The relationships are going to crash if you're not doing it in a way that is sustainable and that feels really good to you. Yeah, I think that's really well said. Um, so this is something I'm super curious about. How many years out are you now from the worst of it? So I'm about, gosh, I'm going to age myself. I will be 29 in, here soon at this year. So about five or six years. Okay. Um, you're not aging yourself. You're fine. <laughs> you're still, <laughs> you're still young. Um, I'm, I'm always curious about this is, uh-huh. would you undo the experience? Would you go back and say like, it'd be great if I didn't have that? Never in a million years. Uh-huh. Listen, not only do, is it be, not in a million years because now look how many people I'm able to help. Like yeah. my clients who are going through what I'm going through, how mm-hmm. I'm able to, speak on stages and conferences about functional medicine and educate people, I never would have done that. I would have stayed in my own little bubble, get into the gym, go into the hospital, get my hours in, you know, I would have just stayed in my bubble and not grown. So from a business perspective and helping people perspective, but also personal, I was not actually, now that I look back, it wasn't fun for me to be restrictive all the time and to kill myself at the gym all the time and to psychologically stress out. Like I would get very upset if I had to miss a workout. I I Mm -hmm. thrived on those workouts. And so if I had to miss it for any reason, then it would, you know, just make me upset and irritable, which is not a good thing. So it's taught going through that taught me that one, just because you look physically good does not mean you are physically healthy. Mm Mm-hmm. Just because you got the abs doesn't mean that, you know, you have the health or that you feel great or that you don't have anxiety or whatever is going on. And that in order to like, we've got a lot of years to live. And in order to live all of those years, very healthy and happy, it has to be from a true nourishing perspective of your body, your mind, balancing your goals and also your personal life and self-care. And I wouldn't have learned that lesson otherwise. I was really you know, if it didn't happen, then it was going to happen sometime. If not, you know, through what happened to me with autoimmune disease, maybe, a str- well, I did have a stroke, but maybe yeah. like a heart attack or something yeah. because I was not treating my body well or my mind well. I was pushing myself to the extremes. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the kind of answer that I keep, like, I have yet to meet someone who has said, yeah, I wish this didn't happen. The The only person who said that wasn't for her own growth and experience. She was in this huge wildfire in California. Lots of people died and lost their homes. That's the part, obviously, Mm -hmm. she's like, I wouldn't ask for that again. But all the growth and understanding and learning and the way that I've taken that message and connected with other people, like that part, she wouldn't give that up. Like her Mm -hmm. own experience, but obviously for everybody else, she wouldn't wish that on anyone. Yeah. Uh, And I think that any hardship anybody goes through, no matter what it's related to, if you make it out, you make it out stronger, bigger, and better. And so without going through that hardship, maybe, you know, you're coasting, life seems pretty good, but you will have no idea what it feels like to get to that next level of excellence, to really up-level your body and keep on growing because you've never, you haven't pushed past that point and you're not able to push past that point if you've never felt what it feels like to feel the lows. Do you think you would have woken up from pushing too hard at some point? Like, it's it's hard to say, but, like, do you think you needed that kick? 
I think I really needed the kick. I don't think I would have woken up for it. I really feel like I would still be struggling with trying to maintain perfection in every area of my life. Like I put a lot of pressure on myself, the way I look, the way I study, the way I, what job I get, right? Like I always want the best of the best and I still want the best of the best myself. And I have that, but I'm able to balance it around and still maintain, you know, health and wellness and not put so much pressure on myself. Do it from a place of love rather than a place of fear, really. Mm. You're a mom. So how does that understanding, that development translate through to how you want your kids to grow up and the, the feel like perfection and that chase for perfection? Does that influence what you think about for your kids and how they would relate to that question? Yeah, I still want my children to be ambitious, right? So my perfectionism has gotten me to a certain point in my life, you know, I won't lie. And it's helped me, but it's also hurt me. So I want to try to teach them to have ambition and goals and vision and confidence, but also to know how to live a healthy lifestyle. So even now, you know, getting them outdoors and turning the TV off and helping them to play together or to with us and feeding them healthy foods. And, but at the same time, not being so restrictive and this, of course, parenting, every parent is going to be quick to, you know, bash the other parent. But for me, I'm really, really healthy with my children. So when we're at home healthy, I'm talking about food. So when we're at home, I'm teaching them healthy food. They think like asparagus is a special tree. I mean, like it's, they, they really do love healthy food. However, when we are, you know, at a birthday party and everybody's having candy, I'm allowing them to enjoy that candy mm-hmm. to with their friends and their family because that's a social connection and yeah. that's, you know, love and enjoyment and family and, and friends that I, I don't want them to ever feel restricted like guilt if they were to enjoy that thing because that is what I started to feel, guilt, if Mm. I were to mess up the diet or miss the workout. So I want them to have that balance where they can stay healthy but still enjoy and do – not that healthy is enjoyment, man. We really enjoy being healthy but still partake in things that otherwise would be considered, quote, bad by some people. Yeah. Yeah. you, You made the point earlier about sustainability. Like anything that's hyper restrictive or hyper controlling and attaches feelings of shame or guilt, you might sustain it, but it doesn't mean you should and you're paying a price for it. So what what's that balance that actually can continue on? And mm-hmm. on balance, you're making healthy choices with the flexibility to make a social social connection healthy choice. Mm-hmm. And and mental health is a huge topic that people are talking about right now. And I think that once something, even though, even if it's the best thing in the world for you, once it becomes stressful and you become angry or irritable or anxious about it, even if that's taking some supplement, that no longer becomes a good thing because the stress that that off puts in your body, man, that messes with your cortisol level, your hormones, your inflammation. And there's a lot of examples, even in my life, where I start to get back to that point of wanting to push myself. I'll give a really vulnerable example with breastfeeding. So, right, I'm supernatural, and breastfeeding is something that I really am in line with. But I definitely couldn't make it to as long as I wanted to make it with either of my children. And I put guilt on myself and shame and pushed myself like, oh, come on, Mags, just make it one month longer. You got this. But every time I would breastfeed that child, I would not be happy. And so the mental health, I think at that point where it no longer becomes healthy and exciting and joyful for you, but instead it instills those negative feelings. It's no matter how healthy the habit is, breastfeeding is, you know, I believe very healthy. It no longer becomes healthy if your mental health is not on point as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. Um, and that is a really tough thing that a lot of people put pressure on, have outside pressure on a lot of judgment. Um, and there's a whole like, well, what did you have as a child? And so often we carry that in too, is like the norms mm-hmm. you grow up with. Um, I just had this conversation with a family member who's at an eight week old, uh, Monday, that same kind of thing. She had a lot of trouble with it. And felt very judged and shamed and Mm -hmm. guilt and also like someone's life is depending on your ability to do that like it's an incredibly difficult thing all around and then it's like why can't you why can't you do it right so I have this internal personality of 
doing the things. Like I love to succeed. And so for me to, I have zero control over this. Like, believe me, I tried all the things to increase the supply and everything. I have zero control. And like, I legit, I can't do it. I want to make it to a year. Like my, my sister did. And you know, like I want to do this thing. It's another point of pressure. I can't. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It is pressure. So it's not that I'm, I've got it all figured out yet because I still feel those feelings, but I notice them and I talk about them and I shift and, um, like our little guy, I just, he's got to turn six months this week. And I just stopped breastfeeding officially last week, but I feel really at peace about it. Even though at first I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to stop, but I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to tell my Instagram people. I'm just, you know, going to let it phase off. But like, then my sister was talking about it and she's saying, Maggie, you have to be open. You're open to everybody about everything else. This can't be the one thing that you hide from them because like you have to let them know that that's normal Mm -hmm. to feel those feelings and to that it's okay. And that you have that permission to stop, you know, when, when it, when it no longer is a good thing for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really good balance. Um, and it sounds like you have a good community around you as well. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. blessed. We have a great, I have a great support team of family members and, and good friends. That's awesome. Maggie, where can people find out more about your work and maybe choose to start working with you? So my website is just maggieburgoff.com, my name. And I also, I mentioned Instagram. I love Instagram. So it's Maggie underscore Burgoff is my Instagram account. Okay. Um, Thank you for sharing so much of your journey. And there's a lot of nuggets that like, of course, there's a a health and wellness component to them because that's the blatant conversation. But like we were saying before, it's it's much bigger than that and much broader. And so much of that journey translates through to struggles we face in lots of different places in our lives and coming Mm -hmm. back to that point of trusting in ourselves. This is awesome. I really appreciate that. Um, So, yeah, thank you for your time today. Uh, thanks so much. I really hope it helps some of your audience just to know, you know, you're not alone and, and that you got this. What, uh, or do you, you think you're, you're ready to help me close things out? You remember? Yeah. 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 All right. Today's a new day. Go out and do it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Maggie. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Brian. Yeah. Man, the energy that that woman brings is awesome. She she describes a few things, you know, from her whole journey on her website and these three adjectives or three um, three words that stood out to me was that she feels more alive, optimistic and empowered. And I'm like, I hear that in everything she says. I hear that energy and that feeling in what she's talking about. And that actually comes from one of her clients after working with her. But I was like that's alive yeah like that totally comes through optimistic empowered and going back to this journey she went through in her early 20s now she says she was always an optimistic person but like alive i don't know empowered certainly not and so to feel to go from that and and to feel that so fully today that's pretty amazing and that gives us hope right hope that when we're in a similar kind of struggle we can also come through. And it doesn't mean it isn't hard. It doesn't mean there isn't work. It doesn't mean that sometimes the answers may seem to elude us, but they're still there. And if we trust ourselves, we can find them. Expecting someone else to just hand it to you is is maybe where some of us go wrong. And there are times that other people are, are helpful and may have guidance and advice, but it's still our life and we still have to bring that guidance and advice into our world ourselves. So even if part of the solution is coming from outside, it won't get inside unless you are trusting of yourself and believing in yourself enough to bring it in. Maggie's a great example of that. So definitely go to maggieberghoff.com. I will link to that in the show notes and check her out on social. She, uh, she had a great Instagram channel. She had this huge following and, um, there's something going on with Instagram and uh, her account got hacked. And so it ended up getting shut down. So she's rebuilding from scratch. And I think a lot of people who would have had the scale, you know, tens of thousands of followers that she had would be really angry about that. She's like, no, it's cool. We're going to make it like even stronger and, you know, build it right from the start. And it's like, cool. It's a great, again, that like 
optimistic, alive, empowered kind of mindset. Very cool. So check out Maggie uh, on her site, on social media. And if you're struggling with your health and thinking about a health coach, you know, maybe she's the person for you. So it might be worth looking into her for that reason as well. And you can also look into helping yourself with my books on top of this show. You can go to brianfalchuk.com slash books and pick up a copy of Do A Day to help yourself live a better life every day and the 50-75-100 solutions so you can build better relationships. And if you want to pick them up from my site, get a signed copy from me. I personally sign them for everyone. I don't just write my name. I actually will write a message to you. I put some thought into it. You can save $4 on one of the books, both of the books, whichever you prefer, uh, using code F&F at checkout. So F-A-N-D-F for friends and family, because you're my friends and family, right? You're listening to my show. You're hearing so much of what goes on in my head. How could you not be friends and family at this point? So check that out. Subscribe to the show if you haven't yet. And most importantly, be alive, be optimistic, and be empowered to go out and do it. Thanks, everyone.